Hello World from Octopost headquarters. This is Radically Transparent, Octopost's original podcast show on B2B Marketing Now. I'm your host, Jennifer Gutman, Director of Social Strategy, and in most episodes of this podcast, we'll feature B2B marketing leaders who will share their radically transparent truths behind being a modern-day marketer and what it takes to grow ideas, take risks, and impact change. Joining me on this episode of Radically Transparent is Malin Linden, Vice President of Head of EMEA Marketing Transformation Office at SAP. <laughs> Malin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. We're super excited to have you. And uh, as we were joking moments before, I'm just going to throw it out for anyone who was listening in, uh, discussing earlier with me the debate. It is SAP um, that we are are speaking with Malin today. So <laughs> before we dive in and kind of get super radically transparent, I want to throw you an easy one, Malin. I like to, to go easy on the first few questions. But I'm super curious about your journey because the title of head of EMEA Marketing Transformation Office is really interesting, especially in today's world. And I was hoping you might be able to give us a brief look into your professional journey and how you actually found yourself at SAP, because you've been there for quite a while, yeah? I have. I'm a little bit of a dinosaur. I've been here for a long time. (laughs) And the interesting is, you know what? I had no intention to becoming a marketer in the first place. I'm an animal lover, big time. So I always wanted to be a vet when I was a a child. Yes. And I was quite lucky because I was able to do an internship with a local vet. And it turned out that at the first sight of blood, I fainted. So I very quickly realized that this was not a career for me. Uh, So I ended up choosing marketing where it's always exciting, but very seldom you get to see blood. So (laughs) it was a better choice for me. Uh, Yeah. And I've been, like you said, here for a long time. I've been here for almost 20 years now. I think it will be 19 at the end of this year. So I can hardly even remember how I got here. But (laughs) My journey, I would describe as being a passionate marketer with always one foot in sales, because I really do believe that you need to to work very, very closely, hand in hand with with sales. We are all about generating demand, serving our customers, providing a great experience to them. So I've been in roles that span the field uh, marketing. That's where I started my career. I've done communications, but uh, also for a stretch of my career, I did sales enablement and sales training. Okay. Uh, it was very educational for me because this is a tough audience. Yeah? You don't get a second chance. So it really sharpened my focus uh, in terms of developing exciting and fresh training concepts. Uh, I also was responsible for customer references. But I would say one station on my journey that I would highlight is that I worked in the office of the CMO for SAP a few years ago. And it was extremely educational. I, I learned a lot Of course, it's one of these positions where you can be a fly at the wall, right? You can observe things at the top of the company where you don't normally have access. And no one is expecting anything of you in those type of meetings. You're observing and you're supporting, you're taking in information. Very, very interesting to to look at how a big company is uh, led from from the very top. But also what I learned is this uh, CMO was uh, known to be the social CMO. He was one of the first executives who was really social himself. He didn't have anyone who wrote his copy. He wrote it himself. It was quite radical. (laughs) and I was impressed always to see how he knew everything and I was jealous how come you always know everything uh, before everyone else and I realized and I noticed it's because he is so well connected on social he gets his information 
from so many channels, not just relying on the announcement emails and, and the, the regular communication that is internal. There are a lot of things that we are communicating that is not confidential, that is also shared online in social media. And because he was so well connected to so many people online, he knew more than everyone else, but he was also better connected to his organization. And I was like, aha, this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my career. I'm going to do the same. <laughs> so I wanted also to be social. <laughs> and the good thing when you, uh, when you do a position like that in an, in an executive office, you, you have quite a good position to, show, to, to choose your next step in your career. And so I was able to go in that direction and I was able to, to get the position where I was heading up digital marketing innovation. And wow. I thought it was super cool. So I was able to experiment with new formats and new ways of working. But actually, uh, one of the also really interesting things about this position is I, in a little bit of a random way, I also got the responsible for the SAP developers community. And it was very exotic for me. I'm a marketer and I was responsible for a community of developers. Uh, and I, it, I have to say, maybe we can come back to it later in the interview if you're interested, but it changed my career forever. I do nothing uh, since then if it's not organized in some type of a community. I think it's the future of engagement. Uh, but then uh, maybe just to close the loop a little bit, this, this uh, gig that I did with digital innovation, <clears throat> digital marketing innovation was very, was very interesting, but in many ways it was ahead of its time. As an industry, I believe we really needed a push to do things. At least we at SAP, we were so events focused with our marketing approach. And we somehow was needed... This, sorry, was this, so I'm just trying to put a timeline because I know that, yeah. uh, you know, SAP has been around for a long time. Was this, was this role, was this like prior to COVID or was this like yes. where in the map or where in the timeline of like digital first starting was this taking place? Yep. I took the digital marketing innovation job in 2014 okay. and I did it until around uh, 2016, 2017, somewhere along those lines. And, and then I shifted back into field marketing. Okay. And to your point, right, it was, we, we were going digital. A lot of people were going digital, but we were very attached to our events. We loved them. Customers <laughs> loved them. Skills loved them. We also loved them. But we said, oh, we should do more digital. But we love the event so much. <laughs> uh, and so and when COVID hit, it became an accelerator for us to really do what we've been talking about for so long. And for me, it was the perfect storm to take on the job that I have now, which is leading a digital transformation in marketing in EMEA. Uh, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it's uh, for, for all the, the, the sad uh, situations that we're experiencing with COVID, but for marketing, it's been an accelerator. We cannot do the in-person things anymore. We have to go digital and it helps us create a moment where we can really create change. I hear the, the, the dog in the back. So I'm so Hi. glad the animal lover still has a pup. It's totally fine. If anyone hears a toddler running by, it's mine. But uh, we welcome all guests. You the door, but they are so loud. It's the time when the mailman comes. <laughs> Perfect. Hope you get some good mail. <laughs> yes. So that's my journey. It's uh, in, in short. Then. <laughs> Listen, I think it's an, it's an incredible journey. And I think many of us marketers, we have been speaking a lot during COVID about how we've all been going digital for years, right? And then yeah. COVID hit and suddenly we're forced to catapult into this digital transformation that we've all been speaking about. And when I think about your role at a time like this, I have one question for you. I mean, I have a few more, but like one is at the forefront of my mind because there's... 
there's so many moving parts, right, to, to going and becoming digital first. What keeps you up at night professionally? And do you get sleep? <laughs> I actually do sleep very well. I'm a very tired person, I think. <laughs> actually, I sleep a lot better since we're not traveling. That, those are the only days that I don't sleep is when I'm jet lagged. Jet lag is bad. <laughs> yes. But the things that I think about before I go to sleep, I do, I do do that. But there are some things that maybe delay my falling asleep a little bit. And I would say that what keeps me awake is what I care about the most. And it's the people. Uh, people are at the heart of any transformation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's easy to forget if you are in a role like, like I am in a transformation office, you like change, you thrive on change, you, you run towards the change, <laughs> but not everyone does. And it's important to recognize that it can be very scary when you have invested your entire career in something that all of a sudden feels like maybe it's not relevant anymore. Maybe it's not the future. It's really a, a tough situation to, to be in. Just look at the events. Uh, we, we have people who are really excellent at organizing events. And now for the past year, we haven't been doing it anymore. And even though I would say the events will come back, not, nothing replaces. And I think, them. you know, I don't know if you've been seeing it, Amia. Um, I've, I've been seeing a few coming back. I've written some yeah. talking points for some of my colleagues. Yeah for in-person panels. So I do feel they're coming back. So they are coming back. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Yeah, they are definitely coming back. But I would say they will never be the same. I would say that we are heading towards a future that is much more hybrid, where you have some interaction. I don't think we will uh, see again thousands and thousands of people traveling intercontinentally to sit in a big room listening to one person speaking. There is no point in doing that. There is more point in streaming some of that content and then getting together in smaller environments to collaborate, to to innovate, to have this exchange that that, that really requires the in-person format in a different way. So I think that that there there is definitely a new normal that is coming. Uh, and we need to support our people through this transition. So that, that those are the things that I'm thinking about before I go to sleep. How do we leave no one behind? How do we motivate people? How do we help them see it as an opportunity and help them embrace the opportunity as opposed to feeling like it's uncomfortable and, and, uh, and threatening maybe even? So this is also why uh, I thought that was a very smart move by my manager to, to, to make my job not just about transformation. A big part of my job is also running a people program for EMEA Marketing. Nice. So I invest in training, learning, but also culture. Because if we think about transformation, many times it's not so much the hard skills. You can teach people hard skills. It's not, we're intelligent people. <laughs> uh, we can learn. But it's the mindset shift that often is the most important thinking in our case. If we think about push versus pull, thinking about the customer in a different way, there's a huge difference between chasing off the customers with push tactics versus doing pull tactics that make them want to come. And if we think about our LinkedIn inboxes and, and sometimes the phone calls that we're getting, there's a lot of hard selling still going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what's keeping me up at night or delaying my sleep. Uh, Listen, mindset, mindset, you know, mindset. I think that it's a huge thing. It keeps you up at night. It also in our jobs that, you know, transitioning into a mindset to change. Um, You know, often on Octopost, we talk about the the mindset, the skill set and the tool set needed to transition, which kind of leads me to my next question. When I'm thinking about all the transformation SAP is doing with you leading that, I mean, that's no easy feat. 
What would you say for anyone listening, going through a transformation or, you know, rapidly transforming as we speak, right? What are some of the elements of digital transformation that you have found in your career, in your role, in in COVID, um, some of the most challenging? And and how do you help your team get through those challenging points? Yeah, I think for us... A, a, a real big challenge is the complexity of our organization. We're, we're just a very big company. Gigantic. And so, I mean, let's say what is you're a has a lot of advantages. <laughs> it also comes with a certain amount of complexity. And sometimes it is really hard to coordinate the efforts. And many of the roadblocks that we are facing mm-hmm. often seem like they are out of our control. We can't really influence them. Uh, but on the other hand, we know we can't succeed alone. We need these alliances. We, we, we need people to support. We need the environment around us beyond our immediate team. We're a large organization in EMEA marketing, we're like 400 people or something, three to 400 people. That 400 so people in marketing people. alone? In EMEA. Yeah, it's like only a in country. EMEA. <laughs> in <laughs> marketing in EMEA. <laughs> exactly. So we are a large organization, but still there are lots of things where we depend on global structures. Uh, we depend on, on standards between the other regions as well. Um, and I think what we can boil it down to is that magic does not happen in silos. No. So one of the biggest things that we have to do is to break those silos, to coordinate efforts, to build alliances. Uh, and, and this is also a challenge that I believe you always have when you do transformation. In German, we call it to have a long breath. It means you, you cannot give up. It, it, you have to prepare for a long journey. Okay. And you have to, to be, especially also if we think about building alliances, building coalitions, you know, making sure that these coalitions stay strong, that you invest in relationships, that you bring people on board, but you also keep them on board. Those are important things if you want to drive a transformation that is never a short journey. It's never done overnight. Yeah. So, um, and you asked also about what, how do I, how do I bring my team uh, uh, through the, these challenges? And, and I have a couple of things that I would, that I would highlight. Well, first of all, it's, it's what I touched on. It's alignment, get everyone on board, but also keeping them on board. <clears throat> but it's also adopting a more agile way of working to, sometimes we care too much about the org charts and where the boxes are in the org charts. It's always the most interesting thing in a reorganization (laughs) of where the people go. But I advocate, and I will come back to that if we talk about community, I advocate for not taking organizational (laughs) charts so seriously, (laughs) but rather looking at what do we want to accomplish together Mm -hmm. and build uh, teams uh, of people who are sharing a common goal, a common interest, people who want to achieve the same thing and treating them as a team, really ignoring a little bit that they might report to different organizations. So this type of agile working, bringing people together more flexibly in teams that can start to execute things differently, living the transformation, showing everyone else how it's done, uh, has to me been really important in making sure that we don't always only create these, these coalitions and alliances on the phone, talking to each other, but actually working together. So that's one. Uh, and, and then uh, the last one I would mention is communicating, over communicating <laughs> and over explaining. Sometimes when you're in the middle of a transformation, things seem evident to you because you have heard them a gazillion times and you talk about them all day long from morning to evening. But you forget that we have to explain a vision, a mission, the goals, how we want to show, how we want to execute differently again and again and again. And once it's not enough. You need to, to, and I think this is also sometimes an effort that is underestimated to communicate uh, as many times as it's needed for people to understand, to remember, and also to start to incorporate these new principles in their day-to-day work. 
So question for you around the communication, because I think that's something we all struggle with. And, and I think as marketers, we need to be excellent external communicators as well as beyond excellent internal communication or experts mm-hmm. to make the vision happen. What are some of the ways that you communicate these messages? I mean, there's so many channels today, whether it's, you know, I know here at Octopus, we're using Slack or Microsoft Teams or yeah. email or, uh, you know, small group Zooms or, you know, how are you or how are you doing it and what do you find works best? Is it a mixture, hybrid of things? Yeah. What and, and how do you know it's working, especially when we're all sitting right from home? How are you even able to communicate all of that with yeah. all these different channels? I mean, that's like a full time job in itself, right? It is indeed. Indeed. And that's why I said, I think it's underestimated. Sometimes you need to treat it as a real job. It's not something you can do just on the side. Uh, Even internal communications is a super important job. And I think you are very right when you say it's a mixture of things, because as always, the effective communication channel is what your audience likes. And everyone will like different things. And, And so... I would say that a couple of thoughts on that. We use Microsoft Teams also. Uh, it's actually integrated into the SAP products. It was a big announcement at our <laughs> uh, at our uh, one of our big events uh, earlier this year. So we, we we have a very strong partnership with Microsoft. So we use Microsoft Teams to communicate and to, to keep like the always on discussion going. We also use Teams for these type of video conversations. So I think the <clears throat> The magic is in in the mix of both channels and and messages that you start from the top and you make sure that everyone sings from the same songbook. If 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 uh, I am the only one who is talking about transformation, then people are maybe not going to believe it. I need to mobilize the entire management team, the leaders, the executives, but also not forgetting the people who are in the line organization. So I would say one of the best practices for us has been to to create virtual teams around the transformation. We have several work streams and we didn't we didn't put only the central people, the people in the ivory tower <laughs> sometimes <laughs> on these projects. We looked for volunteers and we didn't appoint people because oftentimes when you appoint people, it's the, I call them the usual suspects, the ones that we always count on, the catalyst, the top performers. And we are overwhelming them too. We're putting too much on their shoulders and we are missing oftentimes so much talent in the organization. So I really believe in turning it around. We put the challenge out there and said, we are going to operate differently in our organization. In addition to a line organization job, we have these transformation projects that we are looking for people uh, to join for part of their, their working time. And then people could raise hand and said, it might not look like that in my job description, but I'm super passionate about this topic. I want to shape the future. And so you give people an opportunity to participate if they are really passionate. And if they are passionate, they are going to be brilliant communicators. So I think that the magic comes when you create advocacy from within the organization, when you get more people to talk about the transformation, to tell their stories, to show examples, that's when you reach deep in the organization, as opposed to just going to the old hands and have some fancy slides. And then the the manager is speaking and everyone says, yeah, it sounds great, but it has nothing to do with my day-to-day job and my life. Yeah. What I love about that approach, and and we're going to hop into this topic very soon. Mm -hmm. But it it almost is bringing community internal, right? And you're building this community infrastructure internally. Mm -hmm. Now, if we put our internal communication hats to the side for a moment, I want to talk about customers and meeting customers where they are, because I think that's a big part of it. And, And this, right, with community and building a strong community, I think this goes hand in hand. But in your opinion, Mm -hmm. what 
what's the perfect storm for brands to be able to meet our customers where they are and then orchestrate that strong community? Because I can definitely share on my side, I've tried a few different tactics and ways to make this happen. Some have failed. (laughs) (laughs) I've tried to sometimes copy verbatim, like what our competitors are doing and Mm -hmm. it's failed. And I've tried to like, you know, it's just like, there's, it doesn't seem like that there is a standard playbook is basically what I guess what I'm trying to say. So could you share with us in your opinion, what do you feel is that perfect storm and how do we meet and build these communities? Yeah, absolutely. When you say community, I get on my soapbox, you know, you might <laughs> never be able to me yeah, after this. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's funny, maybe just a little bit of an anecdote to start there, because when I got, when I became responsible for the SAP developers community, as I said, it was a bit random. And I'm honest, I didn't get it. I really didn't get the full value. I was talking to my team members and they were talking to me about how great this community is. They were talking about magic. They were talking about uh, it feels like a family. And I'm an economist by nature, right? by, by, by training, by education. So I want to see the money. And I was like, this sounds very soft. That, it sounds all great, but where is the value? I don't, I don't see it. Show I don't recognize it. Show me the money. Show me the money. And then when I started to interact with the community, I saw the magic. <laughs> and like I said, it changed my professional career ever since because there is so many facets to the value of a community. But it starts with what you described, where, where the story is sort of defined if it's going to succeed or fail, is why you set up the community. Many of us make the first big error to say, I want to achieve something, so I'm setting up a community. Yep. It's the other way around. What can I serve to my audience? How can I serve them by offering them something that will give them a reason to come to the community? I have seen so many communities that are called communities, but it's actually a dead library of, of assets or whatever, uh, where, where you, you know you have a lot of, of, um, of content that people don't consume. It's not a community. A community is about the relationships of between people, about the value they give to each other. So the first challenge with a community for us as vendors or for someone who is initiating it is to not put yourself in the center of attention. Does that scare you? you? It's really scary. And it gets scarier. (laughs) Like, wow, like I'm just thinking about like, put, put, like don't, don't, you know, put your, your, your community first and take a step back. But to me, I mean, I'm starting to sweat a little bit when I think about that. I know. lose control. How do you manage that? That's the thing. That's why I was saying it gets even scarier. You also lose control. You're bringing all these people together and they are going to have conversations about you and about your company. And it might not at all be what you want everyone to to hear. And here's the even more scary thing. If you have a good community, you have the right people in the community, they are influencers. They become community heroes. People are looking up to them because of how they serve the community, how they teach other people how they innovate, what they give into the community, they become celebrities. eh? If you have a good community, you will have some celebrities. People look up to them, but they are totally out of your control. You cannot control what they say, but everyone is going to listen to them. Super (laughs) scary. (laughs) However. Like, how do you even, how, Malin, how? (laughs) How do you ever go away with that? Like, talk us through it. (laughs) (laughs) How do you build the community? What's that question? How do you build it? But also... Right. With the influencers. And what are you doing with that information? Right. Because we all know that information across social and, and we know information in general is power, is is to be looked at and understood. But how are you using those communities to help SAP move forward? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's very core to how we operate. And I think that that's the way it has to be. If there is only a, a community that is there, there to have a nice chat, then no one is going to come. So it comes back to this. What is the value? What is the reason for people to come? And we need to have a common goal, a common objective. And for us, it's bringing the audiences closer to us so that the scary situation where they, where they tell everybody maybe things that you don't want them to tell people, the closer you bring them to you, the better it is. So if you have these community influences, you know everyone is going to listen to them. The better relationship you can build to them as part of your community activity, the more you have the chance that they will come to you first and say, I'm really not happy with this announcement that you made. And I think everyone will hate it. It's better they tell you and you have an opportunity to bring them in and say, oh, that's really unfortunate, but can you help us solve it? Can I invite you to innovate together with us? So this is the other aspect, not just using them as uh, early indicators. They are like a a radar system out there across our entire ecosystem. It's huge. Our partners, our customers, influencers, bloggers, uh, prospects. It's a huge, we can never reach all of these people, but our community is out there and with their networks, they can be a radar for us that is second to none. So this this insights that that we get from the community is one of the huge uh, pieces of value that we get from the community but also the advocacy, the, the closer you tie them to, to us, and this is again coming back to your point, why should they join? We give our community heroes, the, the celebrities in the community, very exclusive access to decision makers at SAP. They get to meet in very small, intimate formats with board members, with senior executives to show them that we value their opinion. We want to learn from them. And if you do that, you have to also, if you say A, you have to say B, (laughs) then you also have to take their feedback (laughs) and do something with it and also report back. So this closing the loop with the community is super important. If you take their feedback, you say, oh, thank you. That was really nice of you. And then you do what you wanted to do anyway. Then you're doomed because then they are going to use the advocacy in a way that is not going to make you feel very good. (laughs) So this type of of, uh, collaboration is very important. And the third pillar, I would say, is that actually there there is a fourth one too. The third one is around uh, innovation. You bring in this community to innovate together with you so that you know it's going to resonate because you're bringing your most um, most vocal, your most knowledgeable um, audiences into the innovation process. Then you don't have to guess if people are going to like it. They are going to like it and you will have the best possible advocates for what you innovate because these people have been part of the process. And the fourth uh, pillar that I would mention in terms of of a, a value generator is the education part. These community members educate each other in a way that we could never do. We we put a lot of focus on education at SAP for our audiences, but what they do in just their, their day-to-day interactions, the way that they help each other, they help our audiences, we actually see... Uh, a spike in support tickets if the community is down because people ask each other, oh, I have this problem. I have this. So they don't have to open a ticket. They help each other and we don't even have to get involved. It's Jesus hugely Christ. valuable. Yeah. <laughs> SLA Amazing. times go down when you build a community. <laughs> like yeah. what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So there's the money. So if you have a, an economist in the audience, that's the money. <laughs> we found the money. It took us uh, halfway through the episode, but we found the money. <laughs> no, it, yeah. it's really fantastic. And I think what's what I love speaking to you is, first of all, I can feel the energy for your people and the communities across this interview. I mean, I can feel it. I want to be part of it. And I think knowing that the team is kind of putting the conversation into the hands of the audience that and riding that wave, not only yeah. does it just prove in life, right, you, you control what you can control and you don't control what you can't and you just keep moving forward. 
But it really says a lot about, I think, you know, loyalty and trust between the consumers and the brand. And I think that's also a huge piece of this in in the relationship building. And I just, everything you're saying is striking such a chord with me about how to rethink our own communities. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, just thinking kind of, right, like just getting to this this role in, in our conversation your expectations of yourself. I mean, you've definitely done it all. (laughs) We've seen it in in your journey. I don't know about that. (laughs) You know, you have a lot of experience. And I think someone as yourself leading such an important and critical initiative. And I say that because there, like I said earlier, there's no playbook for this. We're all entering somewhat new territory. What are expectations of yourself leading this sort of initiative where there's, we're kind of like going where no, man or woman has gone before. Yeah. I guess we're kind of used to it, but like, what do you expect of yourself this year? Yeah. You know what? Uh, in terms of just general expectations of myself, I, I'm a firm believer that leadership really has nothing to do with bolts or titles. It doesn't matter what your LinkedIn profile says, and it doesn't matter how many people you have reporting to you. I, I don't even like that word. They're reporting to you. I work for, we work for SAP. We work for our customers. We work for a bigger purpose. We don't work for the one person that, you know, happens to be our manager. We're on a journey together. And so for me, leadership about is about the vision that you have, the impact that you think you can have and, and being able to communicate again, that vision so clearly and with energy. You talked about energy too. That's important. People need to feel your energy and say, I want to do what he or she is talking about. I want to join because then you don't, again, you don't have to, to have people reporting to you. Of course, it's a little bit easier to mobilize resources if you, if you can tell people you have to do this. Otherwise, you're going to get fired or you're going to get a, a bad bonus at the end of the year. But if you force people that way, they are not going to be very energized. They are not going to give their best. They are not going to, to be the best version of themselves. So my my expectation of myself has always been to lead by inspiration mm-hmm. instead of le- leading by authority or a top-down sort of mandate, but actually energizing people and making them want to do what I see in, in, in this vision that I have. And this is the expectation that I have on myself to, to, to lead and also as a manager and as responsible for people, regardless of if they are the people who work with me or if they report to me or not, I don't care. But I, I measure myself on my ability to make people the best version of themselves. And even a step further, if I can help someone see something in themselves that they didn't know that they had in themselves, then I feel like I have succeeded. I think that's fantastic. Um, so this this leads me, our time is winding down and I have, I'd say a question and a half left for you. We heard in the beginning that, uh, you know, veterinary school did not work out uh, in your favor, which made, you know, we're so lucky that it didn't because we have this fantastic marketing leader at our fingertips to utilize for any sort of digital transformation knowledge that we may uh, require to have or need or want to ask and be part of our own communities. We know that you have a pup in the background and that it was mail time. I'm wondering if you'd be able to share with us something today that if we Googled you or went on LinkedIn, that we wouldn't necessarily be able to know um, from your LinkedIn profile. Oh, yeah, there are many things. So let's <laughs> see which, which one of my secrets I will, I will share. <laughs> well, uh, 
I guess one of the things that has, has really changed me recently, it's, a, it's another topic of my heart. If you, if you Google me, you will, you will see that I have a green soul. I care very much about sustainability, but, but I didn't always live to, up to the promise myself. I was, I have to confess, I was a shopaholic. I, I went on all these business trips and I hit the malls and I was buying all these things that I couldn't get at home. I was loving it. <laughs> and then I started to scratch the surface and I saw the pollution, the resource waste, and what really opened my eyes, I mean, also the working conditions. What are these people are producing all these things that we use maybe once or twice, or maybe sometimes I threw away things where the tag was still on. And I, I felt a bit bad, but I didn't really realize the, the whole impact that it has. But then when I started to look at sort of the secondhand market, I made a promise to myself. Uh, I think it was actually at the beginning of last year or 2020, I said, I'm only going to buy new things. Um, if I really, really need them, if I buy things just for fun, I will buy secondhand because I saw how much I couldn't even, I wanted to get rid of things. I, I went to the Red Cross, you know, to try to get rid of things that I didn't need and they didn't even want it. They're just burning it because there is so much excess in this world. And I was, I, I was uh, it was eye-opening for me. And I decided on that spot that I don't want to be part of this. So if I buy things just for fun, because it's nice to have something new, I will buy secondhand. And you know what? Since then, I haven't bought anything new. Because I can find everything secondhand and I feel so much better. I have no bad conscience. (laughs) (laughs) And so it becomes then when you get into this community, also again, community or people who buy secondhand, then it becomes like you're you're swapping. You're swapping. You give your things into this community. You get things back. And it's it's more fun. It has more of of the hunting element as well. You never know what you're going to find. And then you find some gems in there. Instead of going to the big stores and buying the things that everyone has, you know, not really loving the things, using them twice and then throwing them away. So I think that this is one of the things that have really changed me. I don't know if it really answers your question or if it was something that would be interesting to put on LinkedIn, but it's something that, that has really changed me. And it's something that goes really from my heart because I think at the end of the day, what matters is that we leave the world a better place than we found it. And this has been one of my ways to open my eyes, look a little bit behind the surface and see what can I do better. I love it. I love it. Um, I, I heard, you know, there was a phrase, uh, do good by being good or be good by doing good. And I think that encompasses that so much. Um, if anybody wants to talk sustainability, digital transformation, where to shop, great second. Um, where is the best place to people for people to reach you? I am on LinkedIn. Uh, like I said, I was inspired by the social CMO. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I have an Instagram account. Uh, the, you, you can find me on all things social. And I also have an email address. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to share that? Do you want to get super radically transparent today and share your email? <laughs> Absolutely. Malin.lidin at sap.com. I'm looking forward to connecting. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. If anyone reaches out, let, let her know that you've heard about her from uh, the Octopus podcast. Give her some context. And uh, Malin, it was a true pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for enlightening us today about digital transformation. I think we need more Malins in the world. If we could start a hashtag from this podcast, hashtag more Malins in this world. So thank you so much. And we look forward to having you back in season five. I am very honored. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Radically Transparent podcast brought to you by Octopost, the only social media management and employee advocacy platform architected for B2B. I'm Jennifer Gutman, your host and director of social strategy here at Octopost. And if you love today's show, we'd love if you subscribe, rate, and give a raving review wherever you get your podcasts. 
For more discussion on B2B social media marketing, be sure to follow Octopost on LinkedIn. And of course, to gain access to all our free social media marketing and employee advocacy resources, head on over to our website, www.octopost.com. Until next time.